If ever there was a time in a community and in families, just look at the headlines and be aware. I'm, when I say this, I'm not just talking about national wars. I'm talking about we are living in a time of conflict and war. Whether it's individual, conflict in here, conflict in here, conflict in families, and we'll read another aspect of that conflict among ethnic groups. Very powerful. It's very real right now. So if there's ever a time for believers, the church of the living God, the army of God, to begin to move toward being peacemakers. Well, Wayne, I don't, I don't live where they're having wars. Maybe you do. Maybe it's just a different kind of war. So I want to just talk about that for a few minutes and then give you a couple of thoughts on, on personally. Because I may not can deal with things somewhere else, but I can deal with my own relationships. Because that's where it starts. I want to be careful with the first illustration because it could, I, I want to be very respectful. Last weekend in Texas, there was a gentleman, a man, who had a war going on inside of him. Okay? Then as I've read in the paper and heard the news, that war going on inside of him spilled over and became a war in his family. Then that war that was in him spilled over into his family and then it broke into the church. And then that war that was in him that spilled over into his family and what came into the church physically, literally, brought destruction. That war, we watched it this week, if you saw any news reports, of how that affected a community. So the war is at different dimensions. Probably the biggest war that some of us deal with is the one in here. At war with myself, or at war with my head, at war with my passions. So Jesus in teaching says, Matthew 5, He says, blessed, the word blessed has a lot of definitions. In the Old Testament, the word for blessed or blessed is the, one of the words used for worship. It means to primarily bend the knee. You see, the issue isn't God blessing America. The issue is, will America bless God? That's the reality of it. That's the way it needs to change. But in the Old Testament, that word blessing used also is the word to bend the knee, to submit in worship. It's interesting that that's the same word or the same concept. The New Testament, blessed, and it means this in the Old Testament too, means Sometimes I've seen translations that say happy. I, and that's okay. I'm, I'm not bugged over that. But that's such a weak translation. I'm, I'm happy over, 
a Wendy's hamburger. So I got to be something more than that over the Lord of glory. And some people were saying amen to that. Um, so blessed, the best word that I've found in looking at is favored. God's favor on me. That may be personally, spiritual blessings, uh, uh, physical healing, financial blessing, but it's favor. God's God saying, you're my girl. You're my boy. You're my man. You're my wife. You're my favorite. The way I always remember that, I didn't, I didn't have 31 flavors ice cream open up. This, uh, years ago, 31 flavors were super popular on the West Coast. And I mean, you go in there in the summertime, and there's like 20 or 30 people or more in there. So the way they organized it, some of you may, I don't know if they've ever done it here, but there, they will, you have a little, a little ticket thing, and when you go in, you get a ticket. And it has a number on it. And you look up at this thing that looks like a clock, and it says, now serving. And it used to just really be discouraging. I'd go in and take my ticket. I'd see they were busy. And my ticket said, 67. <laughs> and I looked up at the clock, the thing, to find out what they, and it says, now serving 42. 67. Well, the way I understand favor is that that's going into 31 flavors to get some ice cream, in the middle of the summer when it's hot, and I pull my little ticket down, and it says 67, and I look up at the thing and go, now serving 66. That's favor. You know? Or they go all the way through the thing, and I pull the ticket out, and it says number one. Favor means miraculously everybody in this place that knows God and even if you've never accepted the Lord or had that opportunity, God still has what's called provenient grace before you accept the Lord to bring you to Him. So we're not leaving anybody out. But what that means is, honey, you're number one. You're number one with God. Now how God can do that, I don't know, to make us all number one. That sounds really simple, but we make a lot in our culture of being number one. Hooray, we're number four. <laughs> they don't have any of those uh, hands with the finger pointed up, the sign that says number six. <laughs> so favor simply means I'm number one with God. And that's expressed in all kinds of different ways. Blessed are the peacemakers not peacekeepers. Peacekeepers are like carry guns. They're like the sheriff. What do we call our police? Oh, yeah, it's kind of an old-fashioned term for you younger guys. They were peacekeepers. So they enforce peace. This is a peacemaker in the process of called to make peace in situations. And some may be thinking, well, making peace means I just, and I, this is later, but I'm not going to get to it, means just, well, I'll just shut up. I'll just, and there is a time to shut up, by the way. My daddy used to tell me, you just missed a good chance to shut up. 
so but sometimes we think well just keep the peace that happens in families a lot don't say anything you know how your mama is don't say anything you know how you did so do all we can do just see that's not really making peace that's a form of keeping peace sometimes I just internalize it you know I'm sitting down on the outside but I'm standing up on the inside and I just kind of shut my mouth and sometimes I do submarine type anger submarine means I don't necessarily speak it or do anything but I kind of subtly by the fact some of the ones you'll find on the back of your thing talk about sideswipe cheap shots and my anger comes out and I'll just hold it and eventually it's there and there's a war going on in me lady in Kansas years ago real story Parsons Kansas center of the universe uh, married to an old fool for 40 years and he was an honorary mean son of a gun if you ever old enough to remember Archie Bunker and Edith a little bit that, that a little picture of that where's my shoes where's my sh get my shoes get my paper is dinner ready bring me a beer and just talked mean to his wife just terrible I don't mean just one time that was just the way he was at his funeral <coughs> they're walking <coughs> excuse me out to the cars <coughs> and the pastor is walking along with his wife then widow and just and said to her you know ma'am I've been in this community a long time how did you manage to put up with your husband for 40 years? She said, well, here's what I did. Every morning, he demanded that I have breakfast ready when he comes downstairs. So I would get up an hour early, bacon or ham, eggs, make up the b biscuits. He had to have biscuits. They want no toast. Well, biscuits every morning. So she, what she did was she, she said, I made up the batter, put that in, and I got, and then right before I turned it into biscuits, she said, I just went, <laughs> and spit in his biscuits. And she said, that's how I kind of lived with him over the years. So sometimes our wars are a little different than what we can imagine. Blessed are the peacemakers. I think on your notes I wrote the word intentional. Hebrews 12, verses 14, 15 says to pursue peace. And I've just given you a couple of examples of what peace is not. Um, blessed are that they shall be called the sons of God. Notice it doesn't say children of God. This is not a masculine, feminine thing. Don't, don't, if, don't just don't worry about that. Uh, the idea is in the culture 
the terminology sons of God meant representatives of God. Children of God created by God. But sons of that term carried on. It was the, the business usually was passed on to the son, ladies. I, we live in a different culture now. But to understand the power of that term, you've got to understand when it says they'll be called the sons of God, it's not talking about just whether they'll have little kids and everything or, or we belong to God, although it does mean that. It's not children of God, but sons who represent God in this creation. And their mission, at least in part, is to be peacemakers. So it's not just a nice thing. We sometimes at some point, forgive me for saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway. There's a point at which the body of Christ needs to understand that we're not to be just simply nice people living in a nice family, coming to a nice church, going to nice potlucks, singing nice songs, saying nice prayers. That can become as defeating as any other kind of war that goes on. That's my opinion. So let me underline it that way. But there is something about making peace has to do with something that's determined. It's hard to make peace. Those of you who have had children or have children, have you ever tried to make peace between your kids? You know, you, I don't know if it happened to you, but I can tell you what happened to me. Anytime I tried to do that, they both turned on me. <laughs> so I wasn't very good at it. Blessed are the peacemakers. So, with intention, favored are those that represent God and seek to make peace in this generation, they will be the representatives or the sons of God. This is not the normal way I do this to have different points, but let me see if I can get through a couple of them. I'd rather tell you a story. Number two there says wars do exist. I think we've already talked about that. Second Corinthians 10.4 Let's look at that one just a minute. Sorry, I don't have the Scriptures on the overhead. I don't know how to do that. And uh, uh, so, hang in there. 2 Corinthians 10.4 Somebody cut that out of this Bible. I hate when they do that. No. Chapter 10, verse 4, real quickly. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Number five, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. King James uses the term in their imaginations or thinking, bringing every what? thought into captivity. Captivity, that's kind of a war-type term. But bringing thought, every thought, into captivity to the obedience of Christ. My, let me give you the first idea here is that 
where do wars exist? Right here. This is where the big war goes on. My thoughts and God's thoughts. God's wisdom and my wisdom. And my wisdom sounds right. Because if you ever hear that voice in your head or you're thinking about something, that voice in my head, sometimes it's me. And I think I'm right. And since I think I'm right, and I hear the voice in my head that sounds like me, I'm right. That's the way it works. Very clear here when it elevates. That's part of the war. It goes on in me. It goes on in most of us from time to time over different things, how I view the world, how I see people. Some people see other people, their whole life, their worldview. I didn't bring my big glasses this morning. Their whole worldview is they're looking for a fight. The world is their enemy. Matter of fact, I, don't, I have to be careful about letting you know anything about me. Because I can't trust you might be my enemy. Now when I say enemy, I don't mean like throwing bombs, but you might be not who I want to associate with. So I don't dare risk getting to know you for a couple of minutes or finding out about you because my thinking, you're against me. There are others that sometimes are just looking for an argument. They're looking for a war. Anybody know anybody like that? Yeah. They're just, they're, whatever comes up, they're looking for a confrontation. So I have to face, if you're sitting here this morning, and, and, and there's a war that goes on in the way you see things, God wants to be, deal with that. You ever heard anybody say, Boy, that guy really knows how to mash my buttons. Common phrase. Over the years, I've said to people, when they make that statement, boy, that, boy, she really knows how to mash my buttons. Well, the issue isn't him or her mashing your buttons. The issue is you've got buttons. <laughs> That's the deal. And some of us have big buttons painted with bullseyes on them. And no matter what anybody says, they ain't going to miss it. it ain't gonna, you're going to hit it. So I've, over the years, I've made some people kind of unhappy by saying, no, he or she, they're not, and they may be real stinkers. I understand that. But the real issue is God said to you, every time that person mashes your button, the Holy Spirit is saying to you, deal with the button. What's the button they're mashing? Is it pride? Is it fear? Is it anger? Is it rejection? What's the button that's being hit? Because there will be people who will mash your buttons, whatever your buttons are. And when that happens, the Holy Spirit wants to come and help you deal with that button. And this verse kind of speaks to that whatever thinking or perceptive I have that is in argument or in conflict with God, I need to begin to, watch this term, pull that down and make it captive. Do you understand that many of the people, individuals, that we consider our enemies, and I'll pick on politicians, is that okay? And I won't go either side of the aisle. But uh, sometimes I'll see some kind of tough-looking 
youngsters, you know, junior high wannabes. They got their shorts to their knees and or they're sagging and they, they got the whole ghetto walk on and everything. And, uh, you know, I, I, I have to admit that sometimes that's kind of funny, although I know it's it's real. But I have to face that that reality of someone being angry and someone declaring war and someone being at war. Inner chaos produces outward drama. Inward chaos if I'm not in the process of having my thoughts and my perspective aligned with God, the result is chaos inside me. The result of that is it produces drama in things around me. Now that's kind of Wayne's translation of what we just read there. <clears throat> that inner war, inner chaos. Matthew 20. 4.6 It says in the last days and they asked Jesus, Jesus, what's the sign of your coming back? And He gave them a whole list. If, if you want to get depressed, read that list. And, uh, but the good news is that's, not, that's, that's pretty powerfully spoken there. Jesus gives some of that. But the good news is that we are called to reach out to people and to bless during that time. But he says in that passage, I think it's verse 6, in the last days, there'll be wars and rumors of wars. There will be wars and rumors of wars. The rumors of wars is what, even though there's real wars, we experience, we hear about the different wars. Some of them turn out to be real and nasty. Some of them turn out to be not, maybe. But wars and rumors of wars. The word there where it says there will be nation against nation, I always think of, oh, I mean, Russia, North China, the fat little guy over there as the president calls him. Is that what the, that does have to do with that. But really, that word there, if you want to write it down, it's a good, a good thing to know, is the word ethnos. E-T-H-N-O-S. Which means an ethnic group or of different heredity. Jesus is saying a powerful thing. That one of the signs might well be that there will be wars or conflict among ethnic groups. Now, all of a sudden... That doesn't put the war just over in the Middle East. Now, that is an ethnic group war. It puts it right here in the United States. We have ethnic group conflict. Research says there's approximately 163 nations or countries or, or commonwealths in the world as, a, as it's defined. Of those 163, only 11, by their definition, only 11 are not experiencing some kind of war or turmoil or conflict. 11 out of 163. And you'll hear 
Now, that doesn't mean they're all fighting England, fighting this, but within that country, there's an ethnic thing. And, and, and you hear more and more about that. All I'm saying that is what Jesus said there, we may be seeing some of that right now. The ethnic, what did we call the Bosnia thing? Ethnic cleansing. Very interesting that the word that's used in Scripture is ethnic and what goes on there. So, wars do exist. Um, point B, 24-6. Ephesians 6, 11-13. Let's look at that just for a real quick minute here. Ephesians 6. You'll recognize it. Ephesians 6, 11 through 13. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against who? Against your wife? Against the Democrats? Against liberals? Against progressives? No. Against the devil. Define the enemy. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. It's not like the human thing. But the war that we fight is against principalities, powers, rulers in darkness of this age, against spiritual, and the word their host is army. Armies, or is one of the translations of wickedness. Notice the list there. I'm not going to go through it. That's an eight-hour study. But it's organized. It's not random. It's not by accident. It's organized. And so, in, in wickedness where? Where is that happening? End of verse 12. Heavenly places. The unseen realm. War inside of us. War in the physical world. War in the heavenlies. And again, I, we won't take time to go through the three heavens, but basically that middle heaven is where that war goes on. Go back and read some stuff out of Daniel, and, and it illustrates it really well. So our war is predominantly in that spiritual realm. That realm pours into the physical realm and breaks through. Now this is Wayne, underlying opinion. It's my thinking. Doesn't mean it's right. Don't mean beans from applesauce. But it's my thinking that the wars that we experience and see going on is when that unseen realm spills over into the seen realm and begins to influence groups of people and conflict and lies. And, and we could go on and on. That's my opinion that that's what's happening. That's why Jesus can say wars and rumors of wars marking on up to when He returns. It spills over in that. The enemy is our devil. And that's where a lot of our fighting is because that's where He talks about putting on the whole armor. And again, I can't chase that rabbit this morning. i got to come on down here and be done. A couple more. I want to talk about or at least mention number three, where... Do these wars come from? Turn with me to James 4. If you don't have a Bible, flip your, your uh, 
what are they called now? iPads or is that too old? iPhones? I, I, that shows you how far behind my, I still call them legal pads and stuff like that. But anyway, iPhones, iPads, and I'm more interested in the great I am. James 4, I'm here. Verse 1, it says, Where do wars and fights come from? And he's speaking to believers here, but he gives the word, Do they not come from what? Your desire or your wants for pleasure, that which makes you feel safe and okay, important, feel good, that war in your person. You lust, you want it, you can't get it. You murder and covet, big time war. You fight in war, yet, and he goes on to talk about the answer to that is to, to move in prayer. Folks, number one, one of the number one causes of wars is simply this. I want what I want when I want it, and I want what you got, and I'll do whatever I have to do. Now, whether that's personal with individuals, or whether that's oil, or whether that's land, or whether that's power for a government, principles the same. Hitler, just using it as a reference, wanted what he wanted when he wanted it. That's just an extreme reference. That's at the core of it. I got to face, at a personal level, a whole lot of the conflicts, and I hope you don't have any, but a lot of the conflicts that I do have, that we do have, Basically, I probably got a face that my, one of my buttons is, I want what I want. And what I forget is, that is one of the doorways or passageways into conflict. So that's, that's a good one there. I got to read James 3.16, so you just kind of go up a little bit the page. Watch this. For every, where every envy and self-seeking exist, confusion, and every evil thing will be there. Strife, wars, evil, we're back to the, this thing with Satan and the devil. I am not saying the devil made me do it. What that is saying is that when I make choices to be in strife, and I escalate rather than de-escalate, I don't speak the truth in love, I speak the truth loud. And if you get loud, I'll get louder. And if you throw in a good cuss word, I got two or three I'll throw in there. And if you bring us something else, I'll tell you what, I got a little book back here in my pocket. It's not the Bible, but it's this little black book of everywhere you've ever screwed up. And I'll pull that out on you. You see. So I will have a tendency to escalate and not de-escalate. Here's the point. I said at the beginning, it's not just we're all going to be, oh, isn't he wonderful? Isn't he just such a good guy? Is he a good guy? You don't have to answer that. <laughs> we're just brothers in the Lord. Hallelujah. Just tap dance into heaven. It's not that we're just be a bunch of nice people. The issue is the devil. Darkness. When I 
give myself to strife and do not walk as a peacemaker, I make a place for the enemy to take up habitation in my life. Do not think Hollywood. I am not talking about demons necessarily in people's heads spinning around and ugly looking gargoyle things. Ooh, I'm fighting not giving you the, oh my Lord, I'm done. <laughs> I apologize. Well, the rest of it's good. Peacemakers, speak the truth in love. Heavy on the love. You know, I don't need to go around that. Brother, you suck. You stink. Man, what the heck is wrong with you? No, what I probably need to do is just go buy him a cup of coffee and say how I say, going. I decent. But I'll speak the truth in love. Stand with me. When I